This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting from the undisclosed location, a.k.a. the Brett Cave, on Wednesday, Thursday, July 17th, Thursday, 2014. We're recording at approximately 3 p.m. Pacific time, so any news and information that's exciting that breaks after 5 p.m., we are not responsible for this week. Uh, I, I've introduced myself. We should also mention we have All Man in Los Angeles. I'm Nate Costa. And we have a very special guest to begin with tonight, uh, this afternoon. Well, I'm going to have you last, okay? Uh, which is, uh, all right, I'm sorry, the, the, the tertiary talent got, got diva-ish. And our podcast producer... Lonely Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, and we have a special guest to begin the podcast with before we get into the regular news and notes of the week, uh, which is uh, Nellie Steiner. She is, uh, we are uh, on online from Dublin, Ireland. Is this our first international podcast? It's our first international guest from their homeland. Well, I know mean, we we have had people from Ireland on the podcast before, but, we they have. Were, but they were in our home comic book store and drinking our booze <laughs> and, and, and sucking up all our liquor. Yes. And uh, so, uh, Nelly, welcome to the Fanboy Planet podcast. Hi, guys! It's really nice to be here. Thank you for having me. We are glad to have you here, and we're we're bringing Nelly in because she is going to be attending, not just attending, but she'll be at Gen Con uh, in August. Is that right? The uh, yep, that's right. All right, and uh, coming over, over here to Gen Con, and Nellie is in charge of speed dating for how how, how do you what what have you titled the speed dating at Gen Con? Uh, speed dating is is actually just called speed dating, no, um, and then it's just for gamers, the for nerds, just whomever is seeking whichever gender. So there are four different sessions, and at a gaming that's convention, correct. there could be like nine different genders. So. And species. Well, no, anyway, go ahead. So, mm-hmm. well, we we spot. I I'm I was trying to go to Gen Con this year, but my my pl- travel plans interfered with it. But I still get all the all the notes about it, mm-hmm. so I can read those over because I'm interested. And I spotted this notice about speed dating at Gen Con. I thought that was such a thrilling idea for pe- for people going there. That and was I, very interesting. And the and Nelly's contact information was there, so I wrote her and wanted to hear more we got her on the show yeah absolutely uh there we go is that this is your first year organizing the speed dating if i understood rightly the normal uh, the regular yeah the person who's org- organized it in previous years was unable to this year and so you stepped up well it's i think that she is basically retiring from running the event 
Um, she actually was running a nerd dating website as well, which yeah. I think she's no longer in charge of. So I think the event was kind of part of that. Um, and yeah, she's not running it anymore, and I don't think she plans to again. So uh, what inspired you to step into this role? Well, last year at Gen Con 2013, I actually took part in her speed dating event, and I met my current boyfriend there um, at that speed dating event, and I had so much fun. I remember that after the event, um, I just wanted to keep going, and I was really hoping that I was old enough to join the second session, and I could do it all again. It was just really fun to meet so many different people and just have that much interaction with a variety of people like that. So I was really sad when I didn't see it on the schedule this year, and I thought it would be a terrible thing not to have it anymore, so I decided to run it myself. Now, maybe for people who aren't familiar with the phenom- the general phenomenon of speed dating, maybe you could uh, give us a brief uh, description of what happens during this event. Sure. Um, in general, what you would like to have is an equal number of single male and female people in the same location. You would have... Um, one group sitting down at a table um, with a free space in front of them and then the other group would sit, uh, would take turns at each table. So they would um, stay at one table for somewhere between two to four minutes, uh, talk to the person at that table, uh, have a great conversation. Then they also have a piece of paper that if they enjoyed the conversation with that person and they would like to continue speaking with them, they can put a tick on it um, and then they would move on one of the two people at that table would move on to the next and it would continue until everybody's spoken with each, uh, has had basically a mini date with each person. And uh, they would then hand all those sheets to me. I would make sure that all the mutual contacts get emailed each other's contact details and that's the magic of speed dating. And you said there are, (laughs) it does sound magical. Um, Yes, and you said there are four sessions, and then you said you were hoping you were old enough for the second session, so are they divided out by like... Well, no, that's just the way the tickets are split up. So I have basically got two sessions, but they have to be split in terms of gender so that I don't get too many many, uh, men rather than not enough women if you know what I mean. So there's, right. um, for the first session, there's two events. So there's the men part of it and the women part of it. And there's 20 tickets for each. And okay. then the same for the second session. That's how it works. Okay. And will mm-hmm. you be keeping... And the first session is for 21 to 35-year-olds. And then the uh, evening, the later on session, is from 30 to 45-year-olds. Okay, interesting. So... Uh, are you going to be keeping statistics on your success rate? Out of, I mean, because it is... I mean, it's a nice story that you met your boyfriend, and so, you know, you had a great time with this. And, you know, again, from the outside, does this work? Well, it seems to. I mean, this is my first year running it, so I don't have any historical data for you yet. But I was emailed (laughs) by a person who saw this event and was contacting me saying, thank you for so much for running this in the past. I met my current husband there, and thank you so much. And I had to apologize that it wasn't me, but... Hey, um, I was still glad to hear that that she'd met her husband at this type of an event. Well, I think this is more, much more fun than Match. dot com. And and for the men going, uh, you know, what at what point do they have to roll for charisma to sit down? I know, right? <laughs> it would almost make it easier to have a dice to make <laughs> if for only. them. Uh, all right. Um, and again, I've never attended Gen Con, so the other question that, that really because I it just comes to my mind: Are people like 
just casually dressed or are they in costume? I don't know how much cosplay happens at a gaming convention. I would imagine some. So No, there there is a lot. And I actually I actually did my speed date last year wearing a Snow White cosplay. Ah, um, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Uh, there was one other person wearing cosplay at the speed dating event. Um, but most people were just casually dressed. I mean, it's it's recommended that you're you just wear whatever you're comfortable in. Um, and I am apparently comfortable being dressed as Snow White. Well, there you go. Don't take any apples from strangers. And uh, <laughs> so aside from the speed dating part, you're going to, I hope we'll, even though you're organizing, that you have time to actually participate in the rest of the convention, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's basically just taking up my Thursday evening. So I actually arrive in Indy um, where the convention is several days earlier. So I have all week and all weekend to enjoy Indianapolis and the convention. And I am way overbooked. I have so many events on my schedule this year. I don't even think I'll be able to sleep. Well, what what are you looking forward to the most besides your own um, speed dating event, or, 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 or looking forward to it being over so that you can actually enjoy the rest? What what, what are <laughs> well, the things you're booked for that you really want to see? That's very true. Um, well, me and my friends are going to try out a new game, a role playing game that we haven't played before called Shadowrun. Oh, really? and it's like game. an introductory introductory session into the system. So it, it's really fun to be able to play with other people from around the world because. My friends are from Australia, Canada, America, and myself from Ireland, so it's good for us all to get into the same room and play a game together. So, so do- I'm most looking forward to that. Are you doing the standard RPG, or is it a LARP? It is a... Uh, no, it's not a LARP. It is an RPG. Okay. Didn't WizKids do... Did they have figures for Shadowrun a few years ago? Uh, f- very long time ago they did, and there have been a number of... Uh, there were a number of re- uh, video games, including something on the Xbox. Okay, okay, so that's... And a, it's just had a resurgence through Kickstarter as well. Oh, interesting. So, okay, well, so that's a, that sounds like a lot of fun, and, and it does feel like now this Gen Con is a... And the speed dating, not to pry too much, but is your boyfriend in Ireland as well? No, my boyfriend is in Seattle right now, which is actually where Gen Con headquarters is, and he works for Gen Con. So that's kind of a strange <laughs> strange thing that occurred. He lives in Seattle, so kind of a long-distance relationship, which I figured I was going to get out of speed dating in America. So this is your third Gen Con that you've gone to. What, what, that's right. What, what, in, what made you go to the first one to go so far away from home for a gaming convention? Yeah. You know what, I was trying to think about this earlier, and I think what happened is that I was pretty much, I pretty much didn't think that there was a gaming or nerd industry in Ireland at all, or or that there weren't any here, and um, that made me sad, so I was listening to a podcast before, um, I forget what it was called, but they were talking about this magical, mythical place called Gen Con, which is a mecca for people <laughs> like me. So I looked it up, and for a couple of years, me and my friend were just, him. you know, we weren't sure if we were going to go, or was this place real, or what was it like? And it's then right one next year, to Narnia. <laughs> exactly. So one year we were like, no, just let's just go. So we bl- planned um, a holiday to New York City, and we just we were just going to stop by Gen Con. But as soon as we got there, we just, we, we, we just, it was just so good. Um, I met so many interesting people and so many more people um, that are just like me and that have the same interests. And 
it's just the whole atmosphere and the variety of different things that you see there is amazing. So I was I was basically hooked, and I'm I'm gonna go back forever. <laughs> um, but what it also did is that it opened my eyes that Ireland has a fantastic gaming community and gamers here at home, which I didn't actually know about before. So that that's been a very interesting change as well. And we discussed you and I discussed over email something ironic. I'm going to I'm going to Dublin for the first time in my life. And I'll be there while you're at Gen Con, but I'm going to sh- I'm going to Shamrock That's Con. That's frustrating. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's Shamrock Con? I it's don't a science fiction uh, fantasy convention in Dublin. We're going to World Con in London, and right. then a bunch of us are just going to while we're there. Let's go to Dublin as well because there's. I mean, I'm going to go to the Guinness uh, tour. I mean, how unfortunate! I'll be in uh, I'll be in California in August too. That's ironic. California. Wow, we're in California. Yeah. Oh, it- uh, my! Well, my boyfriend is really into Nine Inch Nails, and they're doing a gig in San, well, near San Fran and LA, as far as I'm aware. So, we're going to come down for those, and we're going to drive down from LA to San Francisco. Oh, terrific! Those Probably going to stop in San Jose, like a mile away from where we are right now, and we yeah. we bothered the <laughs> Skype. <laughs> is that an invite? Uh, I don't Certainly. know. We'll see. We'll see where things are, where we are. Sure, <laughs> Certainly. If you're in the neighborhood, you just ring us up. We'll show you the. We'll show you the town. Here it is. Oh, cool. That's what it looks like. That's the skyline. <laughs> there There's it not really much to do here. Oh, you have to take them to Apple and Google. Uh, and sure, that's right. The Silicon Valley. Places we're used to. Yeah. Now, Nelly, you've got a really active uh, YouTube channel too, don't you? Yes, that's right. Uh, where, right before my first Gen Con, I was like, I, I decided, I was like, I, I couldn't find basically what I do when I do anything. I, I first YouTube it because I don't like reviews that are written. I want to see people talking about it. And I couldn't really find that much stuff about Gen Con in terms of people actually directly talking to a camera about it. So I thought I would do that. And especially coming from abroad, um, I thought it might help other people who are coming from abroad as well. Um, so that's how I started it, and I'm I'm trying to keep it up and provide more kind of uh, specific content. I did love your video on ten things to take to Gen Con. I do appreciate the, <laughs> the reminder of deodorant. That was oh, excellent. Yeah. You know, because that to me that one kind of ebbs and flows in common sense. Like I've been to conventions where oh that that whole stereotype passed away, and then I really noticed this year at conventions I've gone to, it's like oh yeah, hygiene became optional again. When did that happen? So. You know, thank you. It's a blessing. You're, you're, you're very doing. welcome. I, I hope it. I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. You know, um, I think we've got once again the dates for Gen Con. Rick, you have down. I, I don't have the dates down. So if you could tell sh- us, Nelly, so that people that are interested in going uh, will know, and perhaps there are people interested in this in the speed dating. Sure. Uh, Gen Con 2014 starts on uh, the 14th of August. And the until the seventeenth of August, so that's the Thursday, Thursday until the Sunday inclusive. And my events are taking place on Friday evening, from four to six, and from six to eight. And the four to six category is the twenty-one to thirty-five year olds, and the six to eight category is the thirty to forty-five year olds. And unlike a lot of conventions, well, more it is more in gaming conventions. You, you probably can walk up to the door to get in, but it's a good idea to do this ahead of time because you want to register th- for these events where you will get tickets to prove that you've registered and right, can get right, into them. Right, right, so, so, Very great. true, yeah. Well, Nelly, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We know that you know it, it's, it's 
now well after 11 o'clock your time uh and so thank you i i don't know maybe you are a night owl but if, if you're not we really appreciate you staying up <laughs> if you'd like to hang <laughs> out us, you know you're, you're welcome to hang out if you'd like but uh that Rick is. I'm going to stick around if that's okay. It's and I'll right. try and be quiet. Fabulous. We are, we love having a feminine feminine influence on the podcast. Yes. Uh, so we will now move. Rather, uh, we had a guest up front, but we actually got mail this week, and we I did. hadn't passed it. And, and what? This is the kind of so uh, Nate. I need the theme song, please. It's not uncanny. We've got fanny mail. Great. You can. Nelly can tell we are totally high budget in our sound effects and so forth. Uh, but um, this comes from, and I, I just got excited to know that we have a reader of this. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but he actually read an article on Fanboy Planet this week. This is from. And I went to the Facebook site to mail it in, or do you use the uh, mail just, link? Well, I just used the mail link, okay. so it just came in. It's uh, from FSA. F, it's a military FSI Mark. Monty Montgomery, FSO Coast Guard Station, uh, in uh, in uh, uh, Minnesota, uh, which is I guess in Maine. So uh, we very or Maryland is M A Maryland or Maryland Maryland. So excited that someone uh, from the military. I'm glad that we're we're helping. Um, so he had a good good uh, letter, uh, which will go into our first comics news piece. Which Maryland is, is M D. Okay, so which is MA? Massachusetts? Massachusetts. There we go. Yeah. Boy, you can tell once you graduate <laughs> from elementary school here, man, all yeah. that stuff that you had to memorize and put on the map, it's gone. Well, when you guys were in elementary school, it was three letters. It wasn't the two. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. But to be fair, when we were in elementary school, there were only ten letters. Uh, so anyway, it's, And 13 colonies. <laughs> yes. <sighs> and the stars matched. Anyway, so... As you, fanboy planet types, as you noticed, noted already in the uh, postscript for your article on Thor uh, on The View, uh, this isn't the first time that Marvel has done the Thor as a woman thing, but it's also been done more recently. And, and so I, I'm going to pause. Is that it was announced this week on The View, and people are like, why on The View? If, duh. Uh, that, that in October, Thor will be relaunched with a woman as Thor, or Thor as a woman. Uh, and they're being purposely vague and mysterious, but they promise that, it, that it's not in order to just be a publicity stunt. It's organic to the story. Regardless of the fact that they're doing a lot of pre-publicity on the story. Right. It's not, <laughs> oh no, this isn't a stunt. That's not, we're not, that's not, because Whoopi Goldberg, she is a comics historian. Uh, and uh, so... <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. I understand she, she went out and pulled out. Rosie's a long box. not on the show yet, Derek. <laughs> okay. Who's on, is Jenny McCarthy still there? Because Jenny that's McCarthy. She's gone. Uh, is she still that, on? Because I know you're home watching these shows. No, I recorded that one because uh, they did that announcement, and Weird Al was on after that. Ah, uh, that's a one-two combo. <laughs> and I recorded one a couple weeks ago because Gilbert Gottfried was on. Okay, so but it's. Uh, Whoopi, Jenny McCarthy. So she's still on. She's going to oh, leave. She okay. she's Sherry Shepard. Yeah, they're, they're she was actually just on Howard Stern and explained that she is fired. Her and Sherry, I think, were both fired. Yes, yes and they were. when Rosie starts, they won't be on anymore, but they're still on until, until the end of whatever. Okay, probably August or something, you know, when the new season begins. This is absolutely officially. the most we talked about The View on this Ever. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it mattered this week because Joe Casada so. went on The View. And uh, so... Anyway, uh, what I had noted was that... Well, he actually wasn't on. 
Who who that made the announcement then? Nope, Whoopi did. Whoopi did from a press release. They just showed a picture. Whoopi literally. Oh man, I was joking about that. And then that. they talked about no. Her st- Joe Joe Casada went it, on um, Colbert, Colbert report for the other part yeah. there. Yeah, right. But then they talked about her metal bra for five minutes. Uh, okay, so back in the seventies, there had been a what if. I think it was what if number ten. What if Jane Foster had had found the hammer of Thor? Yes, and they'd done a really good story in which she was she called herself Thordis. And uh, so, and I see that in cosplay at conventions every now and then. Yeah. Someone's dressed as Thordis, and it's a cool costume. So it's not the first time they've done it. But uh, Mark or Monty Montgomery here pointed out uh, is that it's actually it has been done more recently and better, might I add, with the actual Thor being a woman and not someone else holding the hammer. See the occasionally overlooked but still fantastic Earth X for that one. Uh, which is uh, Alex Ross uh, mm-hmm. miniseries. I think John Paul Kruger uh, wrote it for Alex Ross, and he did the designs. And Thor had been, because of the mutagen that had gone out from uh, the Inhumans, the gas that, that they right. have, it, it, one of the things in that... The Terrigen. The Terrigen mist. Sorry, we don't say mutagen anymore because no. that's owned by Fox. Uh, the Terrigen the mist had transformed a lot of things and a lot of people, and Thor had inexplicably become a woman, which Loki found very difficult. And uh, so that, w- that was a pretty good series. Little did Loki yeah. know he would soon, soon be become a woman himself because J. Michael Straczynski thought it was a good idea. But anyway, he said, the real question is, why didn't the media blow up about that one time Thor was turned into a frog? In all seriousness, this almost feels like lazy story writing to me. The new Ms. Marvel, which I love, aside, isn't it time for some fresh, new, strong female heroes to come out of the house of ideas? So to take that in a two-part, the one right. thing, why did the media not blow up about the frog? The media didn't care. When Superman died, it was DC admits, says, it was a slow news day. It hit, it was big, um, and that was really the first time that a comic book story became big in the media. Thor turned into a frog in the 80s, and, uh, I mean, of course, it's not, you know, that just sounds silly, um, but on a day that the big news story is how Archie dies in life with Archie right. um, that, uh, that, that that what was the thing is that the difference now is Thor has had two movies everybody knows who Thor is now, now. even yeah. if they haven't seen the movie they're aware the movie existed so now yes. it matters and it's going to be like because now the question is there's going to be people all over the country perhaps at a speed dating event at Gen Con <laughs> talking about who's going to play Thor now that she's a woman because just like, you know, when they announced Miles Morales' Ultimate Spider-Man, how you had to explain to people, well, no, Peter Parker, so it's an alternate universe. You exactly. Know? It's just happening in the comics. It's well, that's like- the remarkable thing. All these other examples, with the exception of Thor being turned into a frog, were in alternate Marvel realities. Well, and that is true, too. This is... And the Thor... The Thor- turning into a frog was a spell and we were pretty sure it was going to be reversed in a couple of issues but it was a fun it was a fun and wonderfully drawn walt simonson right it was great but this is actually going to be worked into the storyline somehow although it's going to be a mystery at the beginning as to who well here i can prove to you that it is not angela because Marvel released a story, uh, released a picture today of a new Avengers I team. I saw them next to each other. They, they're standing next to each other. Could be a dodge. This is not proof. Yeah, it could be a dodge because... It's this concept. I mean, it's, The well, Red Hulk stood next to Thunderbolt Ross, and who's the Red Hulk? 
Thunderbolt Ross. That's true. All right. Thank you for bringing up that pain. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know if Nelly's still with us. Like, wait a minute. What's going on? I, I, I was going to stay, and then this got really nerdy. Uh, <laughs> I, am, I am here. This uh, whole thing blew up on my Facebook page. Uh, oh, oh I, I'm sure it did, you know, and that's the thing. So, because the other, you know, which is like, oh, this is shocking. Captain America. Falcon is going to become Captain America, who is now in, you know, and that was announced on the daily, uh, right. uh, on the Colbert Report last right. night. So the Falcon, because I, I have, I'm sure it ties into, oh, the Winter Soldier introduced the Falcon. People are talking about that character, so now he's going to be Captain America. But the reality is, how many times has someone else stepped into Captain America's costume and many, taken many, the name? Many. And but it, I mean it's good, but they're also and I and again I hate this short. I realize it makes it a more complicated story in the press. But they say for the first time a black man is Captain America, and I say no. Nope. About a decade ago, the truth by Robert Morales, the late Robert Morales, unfortunately, and Kyle Baker uh, told a story which I completely believed was actually a very good extrapolation of if you applied real world principles, dark an unfortunate real-world principles to the storytelling in which the U.S. government had experimented on African-American soldiers before they bought, they gave the super soldier serum to Steve Rogers because they wanted to make sure it would work. And when you talk about the Tuskegee Institute, and uh, yeah. didn't, didn't, they, didn't the government admit a couple years ago that they took a small town in the Midwest and just regular, regularly irradiated it to see what would happen? Um, they, they did. I mean, and, and gee, a lot of the townspeople, they had a huge cancer cluster. How did that happen? And they kept it secret and just admitted it. What, uh, no superpowers? Like, apparently not. That doesn't work in the real world. So I found that miniseries, which was very controversial and people really didn't the like. Yeah. Um, very, uh, you know, I thought that's probably the way it would have happened had we known. You right, know? right, right. And, well, they uh, got the same thing wrong with the Archie, Archie story, too, because it's happening in life with Archie, which is an alternate universe. Archie, and I'll get Archie's going to gonna die. I'll get to it in What's in the Bag. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but when Archie <laughs> dies, he doesn't die in the main Archie book. Right. He and, dies and in this, this I think miniseries. That, I think it was an well, news article. And not only that, week. but didn't they announce that story like months ago? Yes. And now yes. it's actually finally happening. So it's like, oh, this is happening. Well, you already reported this. Right, right. So it is okay, but it's a complex story. But anyway, the point is, uh, and I agree, and they're also going to launch uh, Superior Iron Man. He's going to move to um, San, Francisco San Francisco and change his armor into something a little more fabulous. And, he's going to uh, hang out with Daredevil. And apparently he's going to be a little more dark and embrace the, the dark side of who he is as a tech, tech, tech magnet. And, you know, so they're doing a lot of stuff. And I agree, the Angela thing may be a dodge. Because the reality is, outside of people who are huge Neil Gaiman fans, and I would say, after we ran that podcast where we interviewed Neil Gaiman, I discovered, gee, there's still a majority of the population who have no idea who that is. Yeah. And so the character of Angela didn't mean anybody to any to uh, two groups. People who read Spawn, right. or three groups. People who read Spawn, people who were fans of Neil Gaiman, and the one million moms who were upset about the pantyless Angela action figure back oh, in the nineties. My God, I forgot about that. Yeah, and that's the and that's the only reason why people knew who Angela was. So she appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy. That didn't really make a splash. She's going to be <laughs> Thor's sister. Most of us have met that with eh. But outside of the hardcore comics fans, who cared who Angela was? And on Facebook, you had said like, why did they even bother getting Angela if that if that was it? That was all an ego thing for gaming, so they could have yeah. Miracle Man. I get that. But as a character, she doesn't function outside. They have to find some way to make right. her work. And I thought it, I, I would rather see them explore the idea that she's part of the Norse pantheon for a while, while before just saying you're Thor. 
You know? Yeah, and so I'm hoping that's not the answer. I hope it's some. It's a trans. Maybe it's a Loki trick. Maybe uh, in which Thor becomes more sensitive. I don't know, but I agree with Monty. Is like what I have enjoyed is you know Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel both are books that are incredibly great. They're fun reads. There and there mm-hmm. you go. And and they're both written by women with very uh, interesting viewpoints. Um, they're great, fully realized characters. I can't believe I, it took me forever. I did not enjoy the Ms. Marvel book when it was Carol Danvers. But this new relaunch with, uh, with where she is out in space, she is a wonderful character. It is fantastic. I love reading this. I love how they're subtly trying to make us see it as Katie Sackhoff, and uh, you know, and I and I love Ms. Marvel. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the the, the, well, book the mix there with of Kamala the- Khan is a fantastic. So, but I get what he's saying is it would be interesting. But here's the reality, and I think we've talked about this before too, is a character launched new. There has not really taken hold in people's minds. You kind of have to take the old legacy name right. and recreate it in a way that catches hold with the public. But if they, because I, I, I would believe if you took Kamala Khan and you gave her a name besides Ms. Marvel, you'd given her a name nobody had ever heard of before, uh-huh. some people would have bought it. But not a lot. It's like when they try to bring back Milestone. DC's argument right. has always been with Milestone, and I see this and I agree. Everybody talks about they want diversity in comics. Milestone didn't sell particularly well for DC. And the thing is, when they brought back Static Shock, even people didn't really give the, Before they knew that Static Shock wasn't that good a book, it didn't sell. And so that's the thing is, is this is a business. As much as we love the art of comics... And uh, you know, and 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 I I I'm one of those definitely out there touting that we need role models of, of for children of a variety of of ethnicities of, of you know both genders the whole, whole thing, but they've got to be purchased. People have to be buying them in order for Understood. these companies to want to do them. My my feeling about it, and since we have Nellie on, I'd like to get her take on sure. this. But I wonder if it's actually an empowering thing to take a successful male-oriented character and and make it female and say that that's that's doing justification to a female character. Any opinion, Nelly? I've been trying to think about this myself. I think it's awesome. Um, I got got some very uh, negative responses from guys Uh and saying that this was disgusting and gross and horrible and and What's wrong women shouldn't be powerful and strong and seriously kind of hurt. you're getting that yeah, in 2014 <laughs> i mean I, I, yeah well that's what i thought uh, but and i realize i'm in the bubble of california and we, we are not like the rest of the planet so you know that just seems i mean I, I guess i do believe it but i'm saddened to hear it but what do you it's think apparently as disgusting as turning a wonder woman into a man well, yeah. I would, well, I wouldn't oh. want to see that. I suppose, but you know. <laughs> be a confusing but, title for um, me. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it would be awesome to see a lady Thor. Um, I, um, I'm not sure if if just creating a female version of a male established male hero is a great and empowering thing. I think it's cool, and I think it's great that Marvel is is making a move towards that, and I think it's going to... I just really hope the writing is good and, and yeah. that they actually do something with it. Have they um, announced writing? They don't, it's Jason Aaron. It's the guy who's been writing Thor. It is a well-written well, book. It is a very well-written book. 
And you know, I'll agree with with Nellie that I, I think they, I think I put in the article too that um, I want I want Marvel to put their money where their mouth is because the majority of people aren't going to pick up that comic book. But if you mm-hmm. if you really want to do female empowerment and and talk and, and commit to diversity, we need to see that Black Widow solo film. And I realize mm-hmm. that we are seeing next season Agent Carter, so a series with a female lead. Yep. Uh, you know, alternating with Agents of Shield. So I mean, they're, they're taking steps, but I but I do want to see Captain Marvel in there. I do uh, on the ma- big screen because that's what's going to reach out to most people. Yeah, you know. So and we'll go there. We have another guest with us this afternoon uh, who is going to have a panel at Comic Con next week. Uh, her name is Dana Nachman, and she's a directing a documentary about a story that we all took close to our to our heart uh, last year, which is the story of Bat Kid. Hello. Hello, Dana. Yes. Hello. Welcome to the Fanboy Planet podcast. Hi. Thank you. This is Dana Nachman, everyone. And she, as I mentioned uh, in the intro, she is directing a documentary about Bat Kid. And you're also, is this your going to make your first appearance at Comic-Con next yes, week? Yes. I'm so excited. I don't know what to expect, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. No one knows what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So uh, let us begin with, I know you, you just launched an Indiegogo campaign for this film. Yes, yes, we just did, um, I think about two days ago, and so far so good. Um, it's, it's really fun to see people get excited about the film, and you know it's only been in our little heads for the last five months or six months, so this is the first time kind of the unveiling of it, so it's exciting. Yes, so... Let us, uh, for those listening who may not be familiar, I, it's one of those the stories that I think was so big that I kind of presume people know, but um, the story of Bat Kid was uh, several months ago through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. A huge section of San Francisco essentially transformed itself into Gotham City so that a young boy, uh, I believe he's four years old, fighting leukemia, could dress up as Batman and defeat several of Gotham City's uh, most heinous villains, and then got a key to the city and a thank you from on the steps of City Hall in San Francisco. There was a parade, too, wasn't there? I think there was a parade. And, and and I know he's made a couple of appearances as Bat Kid since as well. And, you know, we had a story last week about DC freaking out over a statue with an S symbol, but here was their total approval of using Batman I mean, in, in a very positive and it was a very uplifting story to people. And I think, how many people got involved in this? I mean, the volunt- the, the number of, sheer number of people that took time off from their day. <laughs> yeah, they were expecting um, 200 people. They wanted 200 people to show up. And then 25,000 people showed up uh, on that day. 25,000 and- <laughs> people. Yes, and uh, the police chief, uh, Chief Sir, who is um, in in our documentary, where he's interviewed uh, and featured in the documentary, he is notorious, uh, he does not like flash mobs. So then to have this massive flash mob uh, in the middle of San Francisco that's sanctioned by them and that they are participating in was quite quite a, a scene. And aside from the 25 people that showed up um, on the ground in San Francisco, close to 2 billion, with a B, people uh, checked it out online that day. Um, wow. And so it, it was quite a phenomenon, which, which made me interested in it, of why so many people um, rallied behind this boy on this day in the city. So you had the... You had the- 
police inspector who begrudgingly has to accept the vigilante. In it is family. almost like a story in and of itself. It's a movie, uh, well, which is what you're going to do here. Um, and you know, and that is to me that was the sto- that was the part of the story that fascinated me the most. Was it, I, I knew something close to that two billion. I didn't know that it was twenty five thousand. I thought it was like some about ten thousand. But gee, even that would have still been incredibly impressive. Um, but here's the case: if two billion ch- people check this out, a, a quarter of the planet watched this story, and it's like you want proof that actually, when you see bad news, and like you know, uh, I think we're recording on a day that um, uh, Ukraine may have declared war on, on Malaysia for some reason. Uh, <laughs> that we're sort of like um, that. This is proof that humanity is pretty decent when it's backs to the wall. They prefer decency. We prefer decency. And it's a story that always makes me choke up when I think about it, you know, that that many people care. I know, I know. And that's, I think, what made me really want to make this um, film is because I've done, I'm a documentary filmmaker, so I I do a lot of work in very difficult uh, issues. And, um, you know, I wanted to have a break for a little bit. And, you know, I got so lucky to be able to tell this story. And every day that I'm working on it, it's, just more joyful than the day before and everybody who I interview uh, for the film who was involved in making this day is just cooler than the next people <laughs> than the other people um, and so it's really just a joy to joy of a story I'm, I'm having the best time making it and, and um, I hope people have equally a good time watching it how far along are you in the process I mean if you're if you've got the Indiegogo going it's, it's hard to tell like where yeah 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 so um, we, most of my films have taken um, three to five years to make. And so this one, um, I told Make-A-Wish um, that I would try to have it done within a year. So we've been shooting it um, for the last five months. And we have um, three shoots left with the mayor of San Francisco, uh, the Uber driver who saved the day and, and, and uh, got somebody who, uh, to the location when they needed to, a very important person who was kidnapped. Um, and um, and a couple of other pickup shoots of B-roll. So, that, so we're done shooting. And so now what we're raising the money for is to make it as much of a superhero movie as we can possibly make it. So that's all the kind of bells and whistles, you know, the um, aerials of Gotham City and the animations mm-hmm. to make it, you know, to really sing and the special effects and, and a soundtrack um, to go along with it. So we need, we need heroic music, obviously. Uh, do you have full cooperation from DC Comics or Time Warner on this one? Uh, we haven't contacted them yet. Um, they were, uh, I believe they were good with the day, so, but, but hopefully we will, <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, it, it is a good story. I mean, it puts them in a fantastic light, uh, and like I said, it's a, it's a good story about humanity, so... Yeah, you can um, only smile. You can only smile. There's not one downside to this. I mean, it's just as positive as positive gets, I think. So this feels like an obvious question, but why go to Comic-Con? Oh, my gosh. It was so fun. A friend of mine who goes all the time, who does panels there, said, hey, you should really um, unveil your trailer at Comic-Con. And I said, oh, you could you could do a panel at Comic-Con? So he said, yeah, apply. And so I applied, and they I couldn't believe it. Um, but they said, yes, please come do it. So we're going to... Um, actually, while you called, I'm, we're working on the on the trailer, editing it up so we can show it to Comic Con first, um, and you know, show it there to the to the real fans. I think it's the it's the place to go, and hopefully they'll be nice to me, even though I'm not I'm not in serious fandom, but I, I'll work on it. <laughs> it. It can be strangely alluring once you once you take a, a toe in, um, and we'll yes, help you. We'll help you. Uh, oh, thank so. you. 
<laughs> I like being referred to as serious fandom. <laughs> we are. I'm, I'm looking around and people could see this place. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, one thing that happens with the story is, we, is it, it, it fades until such time like a movie like this comes. So how is Bat Kid doing? Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. So no, I'm knocking on wood. Do you hear me? Yes, I do. Uh, he, he's in remission right now. He's the cutest little guy. He has such a sense of self for that age. I have a, I have a son, Charlie, who um, is a similar age to Miles. And um, he, he, they played together on, all of, on our shoots. Um, and he's doing great. His health is awesome. Uh, but he did tell us that... Um, that you know, Bruce Wayne and the other Batman are just actors, and that EJ, the guy who was Batman that day, is the real Batman. So <laughs> he he knows what's going on. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so well, we really look forward to that. And um, so when is the panel? It's I think it's Friday, but I'm not. Oh, it's Sunday morning. Oh, it's Sunday. At, um, yeah, yeah, at ten thirty a.m. Um, and we, you know, we hope everybody c- comes there and, and uh, hangs out with us and teaches me a little bit about some more, some more comic stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, great. And we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about the projector that that um, was invented to project the police chief's messages. Um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about um, how uh, Hans Zimmer made a bat call personalized for uh, for Miles. And we're going to we're going to play that there. And so we're going to do some some comic stuff for sure. Okay, well that's uh, that's great. Um, the, uh, you have Hans Zimmer. Do you have any of the other? I, I know Miles says they they are actors, but do you have the <laughs> participation of any of those actors who have been Batman? You know, I haven't reached out to any yet. Um, right now, I'm really um, only interviewing people who were involved in the day itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be a good next thing to do. So as soon as I'm done with uh, the production and I have a little more time, I would definitely will will reach out to to others to hopefully come on board it'll be fun okay well great well we look forward to uh, sunday at ten thirty. uh yep. nate, nate and i will be at comic-con um and i and awesome. I, I think i am uh i am scheduled to meet with uh lisa your co-producer oh uh, great i'd love to be there tomorrow um so we'll be talking about uh just things like how to survive at comic-con and we know, and we know that uh you know uh bring bring deodorant that's it no that's one of our and and pass them out maybe little samples to pass out to other people just in case you know uh so uh so dana thank you for taking time i know it was short notice but when i found out about this i really really wanted to have you on the podcast and give you some uh, some promotion so thank you for taking time out this afternoon to talk with us so excited thank you thank you okay bye 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 now Exactly. So I was going to say, I did have another comic story that was related to this idea of changing gender of a hero because uh, Archie Comics, not not that Archie's changing gender, Archina. Let's start that rumor. Why not? It's the next thing, the next logical thing to do it. Uh, Archie discovered that he's trans, she's transgendered. Uh, no, that they are uh, launched today or officially announced today. And I think we had talked briefly about it last week, Dark Circle. Uh-huh. Uh, which is the Red Circle heroes like the Mighty Crusaders and so forth, and they're relaunching with an edgier thing. But I had said, uh, so this week they've officially announced what the what the flagship books are going to be. And I had mentioned that you know they had already floated out 
uh, Mighty Crusaders that have been online, and The Fox by Dean Haspel and Mark Wade. Uh, it was kind of a fun book, it, like Blue Devil had been back in the eighties. Of The Fox is a weirdness magnet trying right, to right, avoid right. these things. It was kind of a, kind of a quirky, cool little book. It's a great concept for a comic. And, and so now it is the flagship, uh, one of the flagships of Dark Circle. They're not going to change a thing. They're just officially relaunching The Fox. But uh, they're also doing uh, the Black Hood, who has been their dark vigilante character. I, I, I've enjoyed every, pretty much every version of Black Hood anybody's done. Uh, but the shield, for the first time, is they release the artwork, and it is a female character. So a character that has been, had many iterations but have, has always been male, has always been seen as rather paramilitary, yeah. and now there is a, a, a female version of the shield. Now, so this is the same shield that our friend McGray did artwork. When DC when had they, licensed it for, I can't remember what the last, they, in the 90s they called it Impact, they'd licensed them for a while, and they, yeah. then they tried about three or four years ago to... Uh, I thought they called it Circle Comics. They, it might have been, it might have been. Imprint. So... Um, yeah, so... So uh, that is the same character line, if not the same character. Right, right. So there we, you know, there it is. And um, a big news story, and I'm not sure where to fit because it, it crosses over all of it before we play what's in the bag, is uh, that that on Facebook I've been seeing people reporting this story the wrong way without terror, like uh, with disappointment. This week it was it was revealed that Rupert Murdoch and 21st Century Fox, his company, had made a takeover bid on Time Warner mm-hmm. and was re- rejected soundly. Uh, Warner Brothers uh, or Time Warner felt that they that their plans for their properties would be stronger and better better served if they remained uh, independent. This probably won't be the last attempt Rupert Murdoch makes. But what I'm seeing is people going talk about your supervillains. I know, and the disappoint, and then what I'm seeing online is people on, on Facebook going like, "Now we'll never see our Justice League versus X Men movie. Or we'll never see this." And I'm like, "You know, you're missing the point. Five communications conglomerates was right. almost reduced down to four. Right. And uh, you know, they, the one thing, one news story I read said, you know, of course, of necessity, CNN would be sold off so as not to compete with. With Fox News, I mean, right. uh, people focus on the bullet you dodged, yes. not on the disappointment that. <laughs> look, hey, we could have met a pretty nurse in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like um, we, we still have a little bit more flexibility in yeah. communication and our entertainment, and you know, winnowing down to like one huge conglomerate. Even though many dystopian novels we we read uh, posit this, it's not gonna be a good thing. No, so. Um, I would say uh, I, I'd like to make a plea out if you're listening to this podcast. Um, please write to the FCC, which we know they've been doing such a great job with that net neutrality thing. But Did you know that there, there, the uh, what was it the the FF Future Foundation, uh, Future Foundation, yeah, um, had a website up for sending mail to the FCC yesterday, and there was so many people got on it, it crashed immediately. Wow. To, to send letters. On net neutrality? On net neutrality. Well, so they need to also be just, you know, a write to your congressman and just just to, to be aware. Look, this is ostensibly still a government for the people, by the people, and the corporation doesn't run it. And the thing is, the people that are in charge of antitrust and monopolies should be paying attention that it is not a good thing for one huge 
conglomerate to buy another when they control entertainment and and, and content and communication. It's and our, just so amazing to me that the FCC is such a is such an out of, so out of touch that this is even an issue. That that it shouldn't just be out of hand. They should just be saying no. Well, you know, I think the the reality is it's not to be fair. I'm just gonna because I don't. I, I this is this is the criticism I'm gonna give is that mm-hmm. there are people that are not particularly involved in entertainment. They're not particularly involved in the news cycle. They're just they're doing their job. Mm-hmm. It's like when John Oliver took it down on uh, last week with John Oliver saying. That this is like that net neutrality in particular is one of the most important stories of our time, and yet when you talk about it, the facts could not be more boring when people are testifying because it's all so wonky and in some ways yeah. about you know the technology involved, people are just checking out of it. And but but again, the reality is like in Congress, how many people besides our own president? Uh, read comics or care that you know that Time Warner owns DC Comics because most people they're probably the same people that most people believe that there's only one comic book company and that's Marvel right except maybe Archie made some news this week so maybe they're still aware of Archie I actually as a separate I, company. I had somebody come up and tell me that that Marvel Comics Archie was uh, Marvel Comics was killing off Archie so there you go yeah you know so I mean we're in the midst of it it's back to our bubble we're in several bubbles and one of them is we're very tuned in and I just don't think that people in Washington are tuned in. They're not. It's still tech magic, you know. I mean, try to explain to my mother, for example, why this might be an important issue. She doesn't see that. Yeah. Because there are magic elves turning on the television and providing entertainment um, and messing up her printer. But that's a, a different bitterness. So anyway, we had that uh, that there. And now I want to play because there's some really interesting stuff. I don't know if it's good stuff, but interesting stuff this week. We should just turn this into some kind of game. I, I, I don't know how to gamify it, but I'm trying, as you notice with my Fitbit. Everything's going to be a game. There you go. Um, is Nate, it's time for your next theme song. Give it to us. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? That's right. For those just listening, and for Nelly in Ireland trying to keep up, is this is the game we uh, – it's not a game. It's a section of the show where we have gone to the comic book store and we have our bag, our weekly bag of goodies, and we don't all share the same taste. So we, we, we each each pick three books of the week that are notable, that should be talked about, and we pull it out, and uh, and we try not to make it like the unboxing of, of uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's head in, in Seven. Spoilers. So, Nate, <laughs> Nate, what's in your bag? Spoilers before you say Gwyneth Oh, is that how it goes? Please, that movie's like 20 years old now. So, go, Nate, what's first in your bag? The first item in my bag is... Ooh, is an ambulance. Is that you, Nate? <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> but that's awesome. Nelly, is there an ambulance nearby? That is me, yes. Okay. Ah, okay. I live in between hospitals, police stations, and fire stations. Well, wow. you're safe. You're yeah. in a very safe neighborhood. It's the best place to or, be. Or I'm in the least safe neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you're right. Maybe come to California. Well, you'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what is in my bag? Original Sin Hulk versus Iron Man number two. Oh. Yeah. How is the that? The only Original Sin sh- offshoot that I'm actually reading. Okay. How was the first one? Uh, it was decent. It wasn't. It didn't infuriate me. <laughs> 
high marks. Again, people need to know, Nate is possibly one of the world's biggest Hulk fans. Yes, that's true. He's eight um, foot tall, 400 pounds, and red. I mean, it's not... I wouldn't say I'm a fan of what they're doing with changing around the origin. I mean, it's They're not even really changing the origin. It's more making an extra part of the origin that's completely unnecessary if you ever want to think of Tony Stark as a good guy. Yeah. Which I have a preference to think about Tony Stark as a good guy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, he was probably drinking at the time and... Ah, okay. So... He was pressured by the government or you know the military and at the time he was a war profiteer so so we'll so, see what happens it's started, so is, coming, i mean i think it's only a three issue series so this is the middle issue so is this the gist of this is that the uh, tony stark bruce banner bromance is in trouble through uh, uh original yes. sin it's okay. very much in trouble because tony stark was around for when banner was building the gamma bomb right and, and number worse. one, Bruce didn't know about it because he wasn't there. He was doing his own thing, and Tony was doing something else. Number two, Tony has completely forgotten about it. A, probably because he wiped his memories uh, a couple years ago. But oh, right. B, yeah. he was hammered and <laughs> blacked out, apparently. Don't drink and fly, kids. No, no, definitely <laughs> don't. Definitely don't. Okay. Uh, what's in what's in your bag, Rick? The first thing in my bag is a number one one shot of Robin Rises Omega, which is which launches the Robin Rises uh, theme that's going to run through Batman for a while. Yes, and I've actually sat down and read this, and not only I meant to, I didn't get it's to a it. five dollar book. It is very thick, but there are some just I, I like this book on so many levels uh, that I that I usually I do not like one shots that introduce a series because usually the throwaway you know there's nothing mm-hmm. to it this this is the continuation of the last scene where Raish and Batman were fighting it out and then all Raish of a sudden Raish al Ghul and, and, uh, and a boom tube opened up right and that was where it left I can't remember which I think it was probably in uh, Batman, Batman and Robin Batman, Batman, and, Batman and Raish al Ghul yeah um, so this continues that the fight is pretty amazing um well, it's actually technically uh, it's the first of two issues because you're going to open with this is Omega, right? And then we're going to have a Bat- uh, Robin Rises Alpha. Okay, so they're doing it in reverse, but it is a one shot. Yeah. It's a number one one shot. Now, what I want I'm going to hand this to you because I don't know if you've actually opened the book, but I hope this is a trend because I really liked it. They have gone back to a non gloss paper for this, and. I really felt it was a much more pleasurable reading. It's still high quality inking, and uh, it's, uh, no, it's, I would I would argue with this. This is not inked. This is shot directly from pencils. Okay, well, I mean, the, the, oh no, I take that back. It does say there's an inker, but it looks like what when Kubert the, the, was doing. The first part may be maybe different because it's a flashback, and then you get into the the rest. Oh, of yeah, 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 yeah. No, there is a different. Look. So you yeah. just turned over the first couple of pages, which are retelling the Son of the Demon storyline. Yeah, um, is it newsprint paper or just less glossy paper? It's it's a heavier it's a heavier it's less glossy. It's not it's less it's not it's, newsprint. It's a more flat. It's grainier. paper. It is grainier. And is I, it kind of like uh, image when image first came out? They used a thicker, better paper, but it wasn't could be, quite newsprint. Could be. 
but I, I have no trouble with this at all as as a paper stock. I'm, I'm no, I actually like a little tired of the of this high glossy interior where you can't tell the difference between the cover paper and the interior paper. Well, I've said that I, I for a long time. I, I I long for the days I say go back to new. I know why they won't, but it's like yeah. go back to newsprint, make it a little more throwaway like it is in Japan, and then save it for I I'll buy the trade. Yeah, make, make I'll the, buy the hardcover. Drop the original books by a buck or piece. But like I said. This is a really good story, and it does it does arch nicely, and there's some great characterization. The Batman Shazam inter- interaction good in this Lord. is really good. So um, I'm, right. I'm glad to see you got it because I'd hate to have you pounding the table saying, "Rick, you make me buy another book." No, no, no. Okay, first of all, and you said that yesterday about the Goon. First of all, remember I have every issue of the Goon. Oh, you do. So I, I don't need don't need that. And and because uh, Rick posted on Facebook yesterday, sometimes he believes. That his purpose in life is to make me spend more money, and I yes. say no. My children's <laughs> purpose in life is to make me spend okay. more money, and they're much more adorable than you. I'm sorry. So uh, my next one, which is also on a similar kind of poundage, uh, is the most important book of the day of the week: Life with Archie, number that, thirty-six. Is that Life with Archie? This yeah, is, it is. I know. It I, looks I, like I was an confused. Afterlife. I thought it was After Life with Archie too, and I got the variant cover that is by uh, by Frank Avila, and that's mm. why. Okay. Um, I gotta say, so I read this. And this is the damn, one where he Paul, gets this is where, yeah, so we just like yeah, it's the end of the story, but it's like no spoiler because everybody knows that you know that's why you're going to buy this in book. every newspaper. Yeah, um, Paul Kupperberg, who is an artist, uh, writer who had been in Marvel in the eighties yeah. and nineties, and you know DC. Mr. Kupperberg, you did a fantastic job because I have not read any Life with Archie, and I've said this before. It's like I'm going to have to go back and get these trades because there's like this two page our story so far explaining the alternate universes. I didn't know how sci-fi this actually was because apparently Dilton Doily has been working to try to merge, merge the universes. Wow. And this story is done in a way, in, in which such a way you don't know who he's married to because the point is that the ending would be the same either way. In both universes. In both universes. Okay. So this this but the the previous life with Archie's were were two stories were per two, book right one where he met it was, a, it was a magazine format and one where he married Veronica right. and then they experimented with one where he'd uh, married uh, one of the Pussycats and where he, one where he'd married Cheryl Blossom and uh, so these little one offs like what would happen but Paul Copperberg uh, does this amazing story about why Riverdale matters hmm. and why it matters in America and to our psyche and why Archie matters and it's all through Archie's memories and, and showing him at different points in his life so that here I am getting choked up but I, I couldn't have cared less I mean I liked After Life with Archie but I haven't cared about Archie since I was a kid Yeah. and the death of Archie made me cry even knowing it was coming because this story was so well written wow and so well done. It's like a thick book. How much is? Uh, well, I got the variant cover. It, uh, oh, it's one of those. Shamefully, I'll say, I, oh, four ninety nine. It was a five dollar book. Okay, so feel that weight. It's it's weighty. Yeah, I can. Um, I can give but it. but for people that are buying this as as I know they're going to be people, speculators, read the story. And there's a great catch up. And at the end, there's a, like a history of of something I suspected. I didn't know that um, people found Cheryl Blossom too racy. When she was introduced, she's the, the spicy redhead, so you know. Yeah. You've got a thing for redheads. And uh, and she was deemed too racy and disappeared from the books for about a decade. Okay. Which I suspected. Uh, cause I, but, um, but next week will be the issue 37 and the final issue with Life with Archie. They're going to release it a week apart, which is one year later. And uh, dealing with the aftermath of, of what Archie's loss meant to people. 
Um, so I'm, you know, I'm impressed with this, and then the series ends, and then, but of course, Archie goes on as America's favorite teenager, or whatever they, and they his call regular, him, and his regular books, and that's the way it is. But this is just so, I was just so doggone impressed, yeah. and and I loved getting the history, and I am going to go back and buy it in trade paperbacks of Life with Archie and see what was going on because if I'd known it was this well written. You know, they made fun of that on, on Big Bang Theory a couple of years ago where the dumb ex-boyfriend of Penny was like, oh, no, I'm keeping up with this. Like, no, this continuity really was pretty complicated. Six years ago, if you'd said we'd be gushing on Archie like every other podcast, we would have yeah, said you're no, nuts. I, but, I, exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, what I'd like to do, I'd like to see a, a hardcover, and I'll just go out to Archie Comics and say this, I'd like a hardcover of, of certain, if Marvel would allow it, certain touchstone books in Archie's history altogether, like the truly best. So you could have the Archie meets the Punisher. You could have Afterlife with Archie. You could have this story. Yeah. And say, you know, this is, and Kevin Keller's introduction and maybe Cheryl Blossom. You know, it's just because they've done important groundbreaking work. And and this stance, regardless, if you consider Life with Archie a what if, it's yeah. still not going to be undone. This is the way, you know, he's going to live forever as a teenager. But as an adult, this is how he goes out and he goes out protecting someone, which is very archy, you know. So yeah. Anyway, next in the bag for Nate. Next in the bag is Savage Hulk number two, sporting a beautiful cover of the Abomination punching the Hulk right in the face. <laughs> nice, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Terrific. And that's all you got is I had to pick it up because <laughs> the Hulk's... No, I would have picked, picked it up, up anyway. Before. Uh, no, I know, it. but it's like all you have to say about it is, look, Hulk punching abomination in the face. <laughs> uh, this continues a story of the Hulk and X-Men teaming up. There's like a little backstory that Bruce Banner helped Professor X uh, get control of or help, helped with this machine that helped Professor X control his mental powers or something like that. I guess this actually happened in an older either X-Men or Hulk comic. Yeah. And this is a continuation of that story. So now the X-Men are trying to find the Hulk again because Professor X thinks he can now help Bruce Banner fix the machine to work on him so he can stop becoming the Hulk. And the Abomination is getting in the middle of things because the leader sees what's going on and he sent the abomination out to ruin everyone's plans because that's what they do exactly all right next on Rick's that's why the hulk is awesome yes next on rick stack this is disturbing because neither one of you has chosen any of my remaining books and i've got like four to choose from that uh, but i'm going to go with uh the 100th anniversary issue yeah i'd say always go with the one shots if you is you know. is uh of x-men it's number one uh, 100th anniversary uh, and th- I picked this for two reasons one I haven't read this one um, but right off the bat look at look at and the cover is Scott and uh, Emma Emma in a clinch and she appears to be a wedding uh, wedding kiss but I don't she's, know how she's old got a wedding crop she's got a white white uh, accessory of a writing crop um, look at his hand ew his hand is is, is creepy it looks like um I don't know. It looks like he's been submerged Mastermind. in water. No, it looks like it looks like Mastermind's. Oh, hand. you think so? Oh, that's interesting. So Mastermind takes over Emma. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But what I wanted I to mention it. was, I, pick it up. Uh, I picked this up mostly to remind me me to talk about last week's 
hundredth, which was Spider Man. Yes, I which didn't buy that. Which uh, Nate and I we were arguing about before the podcast. Um, I thought it was terrible, and I thought it was great because it it started. <laughs> it was it was said six the sixth um, episode in this arc. By the way, I think we have a reality series with the two of you as roommates. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> Um, but it was it was uh, Nate needs a job. He'll a, take it. A future uh, Spider Man, a future Peter Parker fighting against um, the Kingpin has become uh, Venom, but it's a high tech Venom that has whole new powers, and it uh-huh. was a great fight. And I just I just thought it was it was what I want from this series. I want to see some crazy prognostication for, for, for these hundredth anniversary, for these 100th anniversary issues, yeah. issues and so i'm looking forward to whatever this one was i hadn't thought about the mastermind what officially being, is it the hundredth anniversary of it's not the thing is it what what they are is they're the issues that would come out when it is the hundredth anniversary it's just a gimmick so it's marvel one million it's a it's marvel one million it's it's marvel what if, it's what if one million kind of thing. okay well, yeah okay. so they're you know the but I really liked the Spider-Man one last week, and I think that this one probably has promise as well. Well, I'm actually going into my bag from midweek because I was down in L.A. trying to f- get set oh. some things up for Comic-Con, and I visited other stores. Uh, I went to Earth 2. I, I went to Earth 2, and I went to Meltdown uh, because on uh, Friday night at Outfest, they, uh, our friends from Eternity, the movie, uh, were, uh, were, fo- were had the screening in L.A. So I said, oh, I, I'll be down there, so can I go? And the theater they were at was two blocks away from Meltdown. So okay. I went to these places, and I found this book, actually at Earth 2, that I picked up, and, and just because I, I like, uh, it's by Joshua Hale Fialkov, who um, you've interviewed and I've mm-hmm. interviewed, uh, really nice guy, uh, from Oni Press, and I thought, once I read it, I went, holy crap, Rick needs to know about this. Okay. Because I picked up Death Vigil on your recommendation last week. And? And I really enjoyed it. So this, I thought, Rick needs to know about. It's called The Life After. And you might have overlooked it. Um, but what I'm getting this very strong vibe, it's a, sci- wow. it's a sci-fi book about a guy who's going through the same... That is tight paneling. Through, uh, thank you. Uh, through the same motions over and over every day. Until um, you know, like you know, I thought, well, maybe this is just kind of a pair, uh, you know, like a, about how we are as corporate drones or whatever. He goes to his office and he wakes up on the couch every morning. And Groundhog Day, kind of thing. Uh, no, there's a there's a much more interesting reason. When finally something happens uh, that's different, so he sees this woman on the bus every day, and then one day and he says, "I'm not even sure I've seen her face. I just don't even have the courage to even look at her." You know, she drops a handkerchief. And he tries to get off the bus, and the bus driver says, "You know, no, you, you you do not get off here." And to follow her and return the handkerchief. And when he finally breaks through, his body he gets a shock and discover, and he's in 19th century England, from her perspective. And so he's in a world where everybody's seeing it differently. Wow. And so essentially, I thought great story and a, a slight spoiler. But only because I know this will get you intrigued is it, it reminds me a lot, and it'll mean something to you, and I don't want to go further because the people won't know. It's a great read, but it reminds me a lot of Riverworld without famous people. Ooh. Although there is one famous person in it. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, that's enough intrigue for me. I, I thought, I, I, and as soon as I read it, I went, oh, oh, oh crap, Rick's going to love this book. So, in fact, if you can't find it at the store, I'm just going to hand it over to you now and let you have it um, because I know. You know, I'll probably buy the trade paper back anyway, but get, you know, give it a read, and I think you're going to love it. So, Terrific. Uh, next in your bag, Nate. 
Next up, original sin number six of eight. Why, yes, I had Subtitle, that. Who Pulled the Trigger? We still don't know. Anyway, good. Uh, old Man Nick Fury. Apparently, we've never seen Nick Fury in the last 20 years in any Marvel comic book. It's always been a Nick Fury LMD. No, I actually read it. That's not the explanation. Don't I tell me. Too. What? No, I'm sorry. I read it, too. No. I'm just saying. No, it's... Okay. Yeah, but anyway, go ahead. You two have a play date later. Don't tell me what's going on. <laughs> That's right. We have played it. We're just gonna be playing all week next week. Anyway, go ahead. Rick, how many of are you? Uh, did you read issue five? I am way behind on original sin. Okay, I have to catch up on a couple of books to get up. To oh, okay, issues. okay. So, so yes. Okay, all right. then I won't give. I'm gonna away make a big push this weekend. Other than Nick Fury's an elderly gentleman. This is. Uh, I, I would say this is a turn that actually made me starting like the series again. A couple of issues were like just treading water, and this. Sort of made me interested, but I still don't. I don't know if I like the turn that the whole Marvel universe is going to follow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm interested in this story, but like you just said, I don't know if I'm going to like the how everything's going to shake out of this yeah. because, I mean, it's been well documented on the podcast that I don't need another point one or another number thirty two that's actually number thirty two but has a big number one on the top corner, and yeah. now they're going to do another new now new again. <laughs> New now, new again. Yes. Yeah. New, new. Nah, new. So. <laughs> nah, new, nah, new. There I mean, if they want to just say, we are no longer going to continuously number our books, and each year will be a new season, that's fine with me. I'll have volume whatever you know, be, coming I, out next year. I'd be year. fine with that if they would find a way to tell me on the cover what volume it was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or actually. It'd be, ni- it'd be nice if they found a, a way found out a way to put the number at the top right of the corner again well i mean uh, of the cover here's a way if they did this if is if you knew everything was spinning out of original sin and uh-huh. it was original sin captain america then i know that's the story right you know or or that's the consequence until the next thing and that changes it maybe that's one way that works when there are arcs yeah yeah but i know not all the books are tied in that way but yeah, yeah so it, it i it is interesting we have that now new now um you know, I, I I totally get what you're saying, Nate. But I, I did find this fascinating, and if you paid attention to solicitations, um, not from women on the street, Rick, which I normally do, yeah, uh, is that they've already spoiled an ending, uh, you know, of one of the things, and so I, I won't say which, but they, but they but they've actually there's a book launching in October that spins directly out where they just go when you read the description and go, oh yeah, that's yeah, that came right out of original sin. <laughs> so it's like um, that's heading towards the big, you know, one of the big uh, mysteries and character changes. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for telling us that, uh, Marvel, uh, before the actual series is finished, right, right, right. or they've answered in the book. So, so don't read any solicitations, Nate. Do what I do. I just happen to see it. I'm on, on, on bleeding cool and went okay, whatever. But um, so there. So Rick, what's next in your bag? I don't know which one should I do. I've got three possibilities here. I think I think if I'm then IDW's looks intriguing. So okay, so I was when the show was on an incredible X Files fan, and I loved both movies for different reasons. Um, and but I have I've really never bought any of the IDW or any anybody's comics comics uh, of the X Files, but this is a X Files Year Zero, which is the origin of the X Files revealed. And so, and it, it, 
it looks like they're going to do like a noir X Files oh, thing on yeah. the bottom yet, the bottom of it. So I decided that it I looks would. Looks like Dana Andrews is the original uh, agent, looks, and who's, who's the guy? Look, uh, I mean the uh, the woman. Uh, it looks like Patricia Neal to yeah, me. Yeah, it's 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 evocative of of, uh, of a couple of actors. Um, so that's that's the one that I chose over Shadow Zero and Silver Surfer with the uh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Is that is that number one of it? It's number one. I this week. I should have bought that, but I was trying to keep my budget down because Comic Con is gonna kill me. Um, I think uh, if I if I can do, if I, I'll sneak an extra like you did there um, <laughs> is uh, first the Wicked and the Divine, which was recommended to me by a clerk at uh, Elizabeth Wilson. At, oh, I saw that with a different cover at Elusive. I'm sure there have been many yeah. at Elusive uh, Comics and Games. Um, Elizabeth recommended to me and. And uh, so I went back in and picked it up, the first issue. And really, really, it's by uh, Gillen McKelvey. Um, and Wilson Cowles is a different... Uh, Gillen McKelvey is the guy who's been writing Young Avengers uh, for Marvel. And this is actually an image book. And he'd done um, Phonomancer, or I think was the one about people that, that do magic through pop songs and rock songs. Uh, uh, it's, it's, there's two volumes of that so far. So this is where basically all the gods are coming down as pop stars. Hmm. And so it's an interesting... Uh, the first issue was to really... To be worshipped? To be worshipped. As pop stars. Because pop stars are being worshipped as gods. So sure. why not reverse it where yeah. they, they incarnate as 18-year-old pop stars with auto-tuning and then and then a concert becomes a, a worship, a worship, worship session. Yeah. So uh, very interesting, of course, but, but the thing that also includes that one of the gods that comes down is Lucifer. I think Cayman touched on that in a, American he, Gods, He too. might have. He might have. So this is a, an interesting extrapolation so far. This is the second issue. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I found it very, very interesting. Uh, the first issue really interesting, so I'm, I'm hoping this is uh, going to be worth worth continuing. So, But the, the extra thing I found this week is we talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I had no idea where I got it, but um, I, I went on a fact-finding mission to Disneyland this weekend because of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Is that of, where you went? Because of the Guardians of Ga- totally to see the Guardians of the Galaxy installation, okay. which is an installation we'll talk about a little later, I guess. is. But I found in the Star Trader store the graphic novel of Space Mountain, which they were doing themselves and is a Disney Comics release, a brand-new Disney Comics release, not a Marvel uh-huh. So Disney clearly sees some value in still keeping a separate imprint for Disney, even though they're doing the Disney Kingdoms line of care of books through Marvel. I wonder if it has to do with um, trying to sell to a more uh, how do I say this more uptight perhaps buyer who doesn't want to potentially be buying one of those Marvel. Uh, well, see. The thing is, books it's possible. It's possible, but if you you were down at Disneyland in January, right? You know, yeah. they used to have a bookstore. They don't really anymore. They have a, a book a store where they sell a lot of DVDs yeah. and CDs, and then there are the, which, large art books and and then business books because they're trying to sell that Disney Institute mm-hmm. uh, is a great uh, has great corporate which they do. Let's face it, they're they're one of those five. Um, they're doing something right. Those conglomerates, but they're um, so they have those, and then there's one novel that they have a lot of, of the of the Snow White Wicked Queen. Hey, we got we got Nelly back in here. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, there's from the Wicked Queen's point of view, like like Wicked, but I can't. It's not called Wicked. 
Hey guys, I'm gonna drop out now. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time, but it is getting late. It is 20 minutes past midnight, so I will have to drop out here. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on, Nelly. Thanks for and staying up with us. Enjoy your summer oh, vacation no, in the you. U.S. Yes. All right. This will be. We'll. I'll be posting this later today, so you'll be able to go to the website and download it and send it to all your friends. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you. You're all welcome. Right. Good night. Thank you. Bye bye. Good night. Bye. Anyway, they're they're not selling uh, you know books the way they used to, and there are places in um, off the page you can buy um, Seekers of the Weird, uh, and I think I saw at in that in that downtown Disney hip Disney store, Figment and Seekers of the Weird were being were being sold as well. So it's interesting. This was just by itself. It was actually among the phone cases, and that's how I noticed it because I got a new iPhone and I went, okay, I'm gonna buy. I want to buy a Disney case. And uh, then there's just amongst the stuff the Space Mountain graphic novel. So I thought, okay, I'll pick that up because I haven't seen it anyplace else. And uh, and on an interesting note, um, for you speculators, everywhere you go in Disneyland right now is a sign saying if you find if you find Frozen merchandise, please do not purchase more than five. Wow. Because people are turning it around and eBaying like crazy and jacking up the price. Wow. So phone anything. Anything so they're frozen saying, related. Please, they're not actually restricting. No, no, the they trip. are restricting it to okay. five. When Disney says please, <laughs> we're we're we're, yeah. we're asking means, you, please, yes, for your own <laughs> <sake>. safety. <laughs> you don't want the mouse cops, uh, you know. So uh, this is interesting. This this the art in this looks like it may have been done like on standard size. Um, on standard size boards and just shrunk down to the smaller size. Well, I wouldn't, and I felt that too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this turned out to have been something that was like they were planning to do it for the Panini uh-huh. in Italy, and then decided, well, let's make an American release. As well, fourteen dollars. That's a that's a pretty thick, uh, heavy book. Thirteen, yeah, it's thirteen, twelve ninety nine, thirteen ninety nine in 1399. Canada. Oh, I mean, yeah. Canada. So um, anyway, yeah, twelve ninety nine, man, twelve ninety nine. Yeah, that's a deal. no, it was a pretty good, and and you, know, you get a pass holders discount, even better. So uh, you know, that's unless you're in Southern California. Sorry, um, you know, this is. I, I will say, it's a great time to go to Disneyland because there was like nobody there. Wow, it was very bizarre. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I, but I will talk about it. We are going into let's we're mixing everything up. So we went gaming first. Let's talk television, and then we'll do movies last. Um, so we've been all mixed up, but we did want to say we got an official date today for on the Batman sixty six um, DVD, DVD set. Blu-ray on November eleventh, and pre-ordering begins now. So uh, <laughs> all right, refresh, but, refresh, refresh. Yeah, finish listening to the podcast first. But anyway, the pre-orders do begin. Uh, and so that's exciting. And on Thursday, the whole cast at Comic Con, the whole cast, surviving cast of uh, Batman sixty six, will be there. Have they shown any of the packaging for it? Is it going to be just in a standard box? Or uh, I, I haven't seen packaging, but they did also announce that the hotel room keys will all be um, Batman sixty six. Oh, for Comic Con. So yeah, um, I'm hoping that they're, that they're telling the truth and that really is everybody gets it because if I have to fight for a Batman sixty six, yeah, because they've usually mixed it up a bit. Yeah. Different hotels had different. Yeah, ones. so we'll see. Um, but anyway, and when you talk to and you, when when you see the stacks behind there, and you ask the clerk, "No, could I have the, could one? I have the Agents of Shield one instead of the yeah, Mickey and they Mouse go, one?" And they say, "They go, no. I've already done it, sir. Here, yeah. here's your key." Yes, exactly. So um, it was. I I take this as a good sign, actually, that there's already been a shakeup in the cast of Constantine. 
and I don't know if you read the uh, piece I put I last did. week, um, that uh, for those listening, you know, Constantine had what, I said, what I've said when they talked about the pilot, smacked so much of, of network note that Constantine has this plucky young sidekick who a has companion? a companion who sees who can see the dead and sees the supernatural and they're going to travel the country purging things and I'm like you know that I'll live with that because the other thing I've heard is as I suspected he won't smoke um, but I, you know I'll, even though the publicity photo they released of him was just like he was covered in smoke and I'm like they'll find a reason yeah. you know but he won't he's smoking huh? but he won't be smoking and so, uh, I, but I thought there was this element that's like, that's a network note. And then it announced last week, and the network itself, so the network executive said, we, uh, we have uh, fired that actress or let her go. We are not, she's not going to be regular in the series. We're going to go back to the actual comics and pick up one of his early companions, Zed, who they've cast. And unfortunately, I didn't catch the name of who they've cast as Zed uh, this week. But, but what I loved was the network executive saying, we have noticed that Constantine's companions have a tendency not to last. So we're not going to to recast that character. It's not going to be the same character from the pilot. She'll still be in the pilot, and she'll just disappear because, frankly, it's better that way. It's like <laughs> yeah. Angelica it's, it's like, Salea. It's an, okay, as Zed. Zed. It's okay. the same thing that happens between Bond movies. True, but what I what I really thought was great with what I liked about it was this was that it felt like they have they had, they did a Constantine movie that was not as close to the comics, and to me this is a response that says you know what Marvel seems to be doing pretty well by letting Marvel TV shows be Marvel TV shows, and I I, I got a, a, an email from uh, Lewis Stone Cologne. Uh, it was a, a listener to the podcast who said, you're wrong. You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. was great. It was a great slow build. But he said, or maybe it's different when I watched all 22 episodes in a row. And I said, yeah, for Bing. those for those Winner. of us, because you, know, <laughs> you knew it was going to get good, for those of us like suffering through going, no, I get why they did it. And maybe in rewatching, it will be better. Yes. If I rewatch. But, you know, uh, because I already... I'll know. rewatch it once the DVDs come yeah, out. Yeah, I probably will. So... Uh, anyway, so I thought that was really, really a good sign that Constantine is becoming. I love, by the way, that Gotham revealed there's a new pil- a new trailer, and I haven't seen it yet. But they revealed that every episode, and I thought this is now I can confess, I've read the pilot script, I've not seen the pilot. But one thing that bothered me in the pilot script was how hard they were hitting all the villains, and the trailers have already revealed like you know here's the fu- you know here's the Riddler. just the on the nose kind of yeah the on the kinda- nose, and that there was a character in the pilot. That is like, oh, it's so clear he's going to be the Joker. And what they've revealed is that every episode will have a different character who could possibly be become the Joker, the Joker oh, in a little awesome. throwaway thing. That's and awesome. I, or maybe not every episode, but to speed that up, I, I, that was like, you got me. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. Because you know that once this series starts, people are going to be playing that game. And if you have so many different so this is be. this is obviously getting oversight from Jeff Johns, right? I think it is. So he knows enough about the history, and he knows the the idea that yeah, the multiplicity of Jokers. That's good. Yeah, it, 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 and and it's a really nice touch. And so uh, that just made that that show shoot up in my estimation. I'm going to tell you some good things. Do, do you have any other uh, TV news? Any of you guys? Um, because I'm going to say something is something that I think is going to make. Rick really happy in movies. Um, 
first to say a movie news uh, that's just kind of interesting. Alex Kurtzman and a writer named Chris Morgan have been in place in charge of rebooting the Universal Monster franchises. Oh, nice. They say franchise, except Alex Kurtzman. Oh, that's awesome. So I think it's kind of interesting. I don't know who knows what they're going to do, but uh, but you know these are characters with great uh, potential in the in, in uh, and the way Universal did them are so iconic. Let's try. I, it's not like we haven't had multiple Frankenstein movies since those right. days. Well, but I just had I see... Frankenstein just came out on DVD. Yeah, but that know? was so bad. No, I know. But I'd like I... to see just an essential Frankenstein told in the same manner as as the That'd classic. Be fun. But with we shall see if that if that's what happens. Because yeah. Alex Kurtzman has been this guy. He's been he launched the Transformers with Robert Roberto Orsi or Robert Orsi. You know they co-produced at least. Until recently, um, Sleepy Hollow together, uh, they have ended their professional relationship. So here's the thing that I think might make you happy: is Robert Orsi gave an interview this week in which he admitted, uh, he said, "I have no idea what's going on with Spider-Man. It's looking more and more like there will not be an Amazing Spider-Man three because it was not. It Good. made two hundred and fifty million each. Each Spider-Man movie has made less, less and, and less, less money." So now the rumor is... Diminishing returns means the price goes down. It means Sony might be willing to give Spider-Man back to Marvel Studios. Let's face it, sell Spider-Man back. Uh, yeah, well, I, and, and I think because on the flip side, uh, the Kate Mara playing Sue Storm in Fantastic Four uh, gave an interview which was in Spanish Vogue and was translated back in which it <laughs> essentially said she'd never read the comic books, but it didn't matter because they weren't using any storylines from mm. the comics. And uh, and I get it now. It's like you know, this is why Marvel's getting angry. It's like you took the name. This is a throw. You, and, and we already knew this. They're giving us a fantastic. Fox is giving us a Fantastic Four movie that might as well have been made in the 1950s mm-hmm. in terms of the respect for the source material. You'll have the name, by the way, which will not be used by any character within the film by all reports. And they the all Fantastic, have the same powers. They're not going to call it the Fantastic Four. They'll be, the movie will be called Fantastic Four, but, but the, no one in the no movie will refer to them as the Fantastic Four. Right. And so it'll just be this grim and gritty, I, I'm sorry, I know I will see it because I feel it's it's the pain I go through for you. That's why I sat through for Transformers. Uh, but it's not a Fantastic Four movie anybody wants to see. No. It just, you know, it, it frustrates me. So. Yep. Uh, that's uh, there, but we did get the exciting Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Rick has this: the very first official picture of Ultron is right smack dab on the cover. Yeah, and that is that's a it's a pretty awesome cover. That's a good looking Ultron, if I may say. And you know what I like about it? Yeah, Captain America back in the blue and the red and the white. Absolutely, yeah. you know, it, it's it, everything about it looks looks great. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're there, and um, and they confirmed the article that Ultron is the is the uh, result of a Iron Man of a Tony Stark, which we figured was going to do. They're still a little vague on the Vision, are they? The Vision, they, I they said the Vision is something that, that Ultron created to prove that he could create life. Yeah, but, and, it is, but that he may have used just parts of Jarvis. Well, we know that because Paul Bettany's well, playing. We know the, the voice. Yeah, but the other thing is, there's a rumor that. Uh, Paul Bettany was also doing a period shoot for it, which could mean Howard Stark in Stark Expo oh, had created the android, so it's possible that uh, Paul Bettany is a character they can't call the Human Torch because Fox owns that name, uh-huh. but they can call him the Torch, 
or they can call him the android, and he could have appeared in the 40s walking around. And so... Well, we saw him in the tube, right? Yeah, we saw him in the tube with no face. Right. And so it's also... And then it's possible if Howard Stark had the technology, the primitive AI of that would go into Jarvis for yeah. Tony. So, I mean, that's all speculation, but there's that awesomeness. And uh, so I do want to just... This, this is an issue to pick up because it's got oh, yeah. the best pictures of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch so far. Yeah, a, well, of course, Entertainment Weekly got the rights there. you know, um, And how they hid uh, Scarlett Johansson's baby bump. Oh, interesting. So I, I, haven't, I, like I, said, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I know it came in the mail today, but um, I have not been home since. So... Um. So there's that, and that's the Comic Con preview issue. There's going to be a lot it's, of stuff there. It is 90 pages of solid nerd news before they get the last 15 pages where they talk about other movies, about and the even, other things. And even then, you've got standard movie. Well, let's face it; everything kind of grinds to a halt. Uh, everybody knows about Comic Con. Everybody's there now. The interesting things we should talk a little bit about. Big Hero Six is not going to have a panel mm. at Comic Con. Disney is not. Shame. Is but not they did have that. a nice trailer. They did have a nice trailer, and have you seen the Japanese trailer? No. Which actually, I thought, the difference between the way they market to us, I haven't actually watched the American one yet. I watched the Japanese trailer, which actually begins with a funeral. And mm. it's very more elegiac and explaining Hero and Baymax. And if I understood the kind of the way they were doing it is that it's actually called, it may, may actually be called Baymax in Japan. Hmm. Because that's the way they're, they're pushing it, because it's the boy and his robot trope but right. also the sadness that goes along with that could johnny sako johnny sako well he's not the only one you know yeah. there's a space Does giants sako mean five johnny five no no five no no five. no you just you're just not old enough for johnny sako and his flying robot but uh but um it, it was just it was just a darker trailer as far as like there was more sadness to it and that baymax is what is the gift left behind by his family, and I thought, well, really different tone, but it wasn't a subtitled trailer, so I have no idea what was going on. You know, I just don't speak Japanese. That, I'm sorry. You know, all this aside, that movie had me with the with the tape dispenser scene. Yeah, so, and and they are going to release. There is a, a an action figure of Baymax and Hero, which will be at Comic Con as exclusive wow. from the Disney booth. And I actually saw one up close because a friend of mine shot the commercial for it. And I did not realize what I was seeing. I just sat and went, oh, oh, you have that. That's cool. That toy's coming. And then I saw uh, this morning, like, oh, there's going to be this Baymax. Like, oh, my God. I, I should have just stolen it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Or at least taken some pictures. But, you know, and then Marvel has a panel on Saturday night before the DC one uh, for an hour that's going to talk about all the upcoming Marvel projects. But, but it's, again, it's a muted presentation, which I think is based on because next summer is going to be D23 and Disney keeps – vacillating do they need comic-con or not and so there's going to be an art of disney panel which might have some mentions of big hero six but we'll see but you know to follow up so i did i will say i did go down uh and see the guardians of the galaxy installation at uh at disneyland uh it is not an installation it is showing in florida but i hadn't really thought of this it was pointed out to me that um it's taking over to the Captain EO spot where Honey, I Shrunk the Audience in, right. in Tomorrowland. So it is an enhanced 4D, as we talked about you know, previously. You know, um, Shrek over at Universal Studios does it, and uh, 
Uh, Muppets, Muppet Vision is 4D. So they actually give all the bells and whistles at Captain E. So 4D is 3D glasses. 3D glasses and and environmental effects. So like the chair in front of you can blow wind or water at you. Yes. Are they doing the vibrating floor bit? Yep. Okay. So when when a spaceship takes off, the whole... The whole floor, floor shakes, shakes, and you're feeling it. And there's lights from behind, like the like the uh, right, right, like right. the exhaust. Uh, but in Florida, they can't do that. They can only show the footage because if they added the 4D, it would be considered an attraction and therefore a violation of their contract with Universal Islands of Adventure. Oh, because they can't do the they can't the have any Marvel stuff. characters, and they can't have any Marvel attractions. They can show footage. They can't have an attraction. Wow. Suck it, Florida. So Disneyland is the only place for now. <laughs> and what they essentially showed was the first seven minutes of the film. I'd just like to point out for a second that Nate is now the person who's taken over my previous role of upsetting different states. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. I've, I've, I've well, weaned, the I weaned myself off of it. Uh, and but, now, Nate, but now <laughs> is, Nate is stepping up. Well, we, we miss Lon Lopez, don't we? <laughs> um, <laughs> to take all that heat. But uh, they essentially showed the first six, seven movie, minutes of the movie, and then, and then similar footage. If you had seen the IMAX, which I know you guys didn't, but if you saw the IMAX, there was a trailer, which is essentially released online as well, a trailer of like two minutes with that extended, la- you know, fake laugh scene of, yeah. of Rocket, and and there was a couple, there's more Glenn Close stuff up in front. Too. Yeah, there were a couple of sh- a couple of shots that were different from the IMAX for that part, but. Um, I can already say, and I'm trying to mull like a, a like a really good, you know, in my head or great article, which will probably suck. Um, but but I got you know to, just to find the time to write it. From what I've seen now so far, is there's an interesting tone. Uh, there's a melancholy that uh, maybe that's not the right word for it, but um, of two Guardians of the Galaxy because both sets of extended scenes you know set you know minute i saw so you know the first seven minutes sequential right. and they took a big first act sequence and showed us that at imax is i'm catching the same vibe off of it which is that there is a sense and people have already those who've seen the screening said oh it's a lot like raiders of the lost ark and um there ha- there is a mention on the imax thing that that was like one of the last movies that peter jason quill got to see before he was kidnapped oh, from Earth. Okay. So it opens with a very Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe. But yeah. what Raiders of the Lost Ark doesn't have that this suddenly does is a sense of it's not just Rocket, ex- raccoon and gro- oh. oh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not just a sense of what's uh, of of exploring these old cultures, but what's been lost uh-huh. by them uh, by the loss Hence of the mixtape. Hence the mixtape. So it's Peter trying to make his connection to the past, right? But there's a, a, a much stronger, I don't want to say anything else, but there's a much stronger sense of what was this civilization like? He's forced to confront what it was like. And there was a scene in the prison where the same thing of like people losing. And you see in the trailer where he says, you know, we're, brought, we're losers because we've all lost something. Right. It's and the found family thing. It's the found family. And, and that's run through uh, James Gunn's work all along, that sense of morality. Even back to if few people have read his novel. The, the toy collector, because he really wasn't well known when he published that. So if you've got a copy of it, you know, I'm sure that's going to shoot up where that was about a guy dealing with the loss of, you know, of having to grow up. And that's and I'm sensing I could be totally wrong, but I think that what this movie is about is Star-Lord having to grow up without losing his childlike sense of ethics 
and uh, you know, and, and the morality that Earth gave him. So I have a feeling I don't know even if he is going to be the son of Spartax the way he is in the comics. But I would bet that if he is, he's not going to know it for the duration of this. I film. expect it, it'll be a late and, reveal. And that's if at a, all. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the 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 thing I I've gotten in a couple of conversations with people about the soundtrack, which you can now order. You can now pre order. I have the already soundtrack. done so. I did so a couple weeks ago. But I've had, and you know, one of the people who's 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 done this. People take to task the songs on the soundtrack as not being the ultimate songs from that. But for me, that makes it more authentic. It's the kind of it's the kind of mixtape that a kid would put together. Because he even labels it, it's awesome mixtape right. volume right. one, and, and that's he, all he has with him. He, you, you, people don't remember that back then. You actually had to go to a record store and buy the forty five or whatever. Yeah. Or I had a lot of mixtapes where I was recording off the radio, and, and you I'd have those DJ the last minutes, the last couple seconds. For, yeah. Uh, you know, so for me, it just makes it authentic that there are some like the Margarita song. Okay, f- oh, the, no, the Pina Colada song. The Pina Colada song. Not you know, I think it's authentic because it's from the time period, and it might have been something at the time I would have thought is oh, awesome. Geez, because it was everywhere. Because it's a reveal at the end, and you know, the, as a kid, you would kind of go, "Oh, it was you know." Oh. Well, it's one of those songs that you didn't know what. You didn't really understand. If you were a kid, you didn't understand what that song was really about. No, you just thought if you like pina coladas, yeah. and you know that's all we can sing uh, because before I have to pay ASCAP. But uh, you know that uh, I think it, they wouldn't bother. And, and it does make sense, uh, you know, yeah, because somebody put online like even Rupert Holmes repudiates having written that song, and he's never drunk pina coladas. Like it was a story song. It was the seventies, yeah. and it makes sense that that's what Peter Quill has, and 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 now. And that brings the focus to me why Chris... Well, and isn't... So Chris Pratt is 35. I'm assuming yeah. Peter Quill is about that age. You gotta be. And which is my younger. age, which means he was listening to his parents' music. Yeah. Which and means he recorded that kind of stuff and put it on tape, just like you it's guys are saying. Authentic. It makes perfect it's not, sense. It's it's not perfect. Anybody that's talking crap about that soundtrack needs to pipe down. Well, and I, I'm going to say why he turns out to be the perfect choice for that character as envisioned by James Gunn is because he has a childlike sense of wonder even you know even in the scenes where he's fighting you know there's you can tell there's these moments already from the trailers you know where he's in the spaceship there's a little part of him that's like a little kid going I'm in a spaceship you know exactly. and, and and again when that when that comes out when that footage, when the film comes out it's just going to be amazing and I, and I I'm going to posit that really of the films so far of the Marvel films so far they've each gotten better because we thought the Winter Soldier was the best Marvel film so far. Guardians of the Galaxy is going to top it because it's it's there's an emotional depth and weight that people aren't expecting. And yet I realize there's even a line in the trailer that Rocket says, is, you know, what the hell, my lifespan isn't that long anyway. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and it's just like, oh, and they've done something with Drax, which we learned from the prison scene, that I'm like, well, you divorced it from the continuity of the comics... But this helps make him the Drax we know yeah. without without violating that you can't have that background. You know, right. uh, you can't have that comics background. So um, it's really I'm I'm just going to say it's going to stick to the ribs. It's going to be a movie that people are going to. I think the Avengers was a movie. I think Iron Man three was getting close to being a film. I think Captain America: The Winter Soldier was the film, and, and I, Guardians I, of the Galaxy surprisingly is the film because. I think this is the first one they've done that is not connected. But it will be. It will be. 
but it, it's telling its own story without ha- having to tie in any prior threads. Their they, their plot is pure to whatever they're doing. Yes. In the storyline, they're not they're not setting something up or reacting to something that has gone before. Yeah. So I think that's that that is admirable to, and I'd like to see them do more of that in future films. Mm-hmm. So if you're, but so what I would say is, if you get a chance, if you're somebody in California in particular, if you're going to San Diego for Comic Con next week, if on the way down or on the way back you get the opportunity, because Gardens Galaxy opens August first, I think Friday. Right. So um, in the few days between Comic Con and the end the day, if you get a chance to go to Disneyland and experience those first six seven minutes with that enhancement. It's it's just well worth it, but it's one of those moments again where I just felt you walk in there and you go, man, did you ever think you would live long enough that this obscure a title would be in huge lighting, light yeah. you know the lit backlit letters themselves, not a marquee, they've got a sign that says Guardians of the Galaxy: The Experience, where it used to say Captain EO, <laughs> and to realize that you know just go. I can't believe this is where we're at. Now, they have some criticism. There's been some criticism of their don't buy the toys at Disneyland. I'm going to say that right now because they're about 10 bucks more than they are at Toys R Us. Okay. Because I, pri- I just checked them out in price and I said, oh, there's the talking rocket. And it was like 40 bucks and it's 30 at Toys R Us. There has been some criticism because uh, you uh, listeners can't, can't hear it, can't see it, but I am wearing a Guardians of the Galaxy t shirt I picked up there. Uh, and I got a cool one for my son. Don't tell him. Uh, and. Um, but there is one that's like kind of film strips down. There's five columns uh, with with uh, d- character designs. And w- what I really didn't notice at first, but I kept circling back, is like kind of unique looking. Like I'm just wearing the image everybody's seen right. of them on the. It's a little different because Star Lord's in his whole outfit. It's it's darker. It's darker, more darkly lit as well. Yeah. Um, but so they have these films with these character sketches, and I didn't notice until I circled back around like the third time. Like, is that the shirt I want, or do I want this one? You know, and um, Gamora's not on the shirt. Oh. Five columns, and it's Groot and Rocket together, but they've just they're in little little film you know panels, and they just it's just all the male characters repeated, and Gamora's not there. So that was a bad not, misstep. Not smart. Yeah. No, but because I think the other thing I was going to say is. I, I know people will probably hate me for saying this. I'm not a huge Zoe Zaldana, Zaldana fan. But everything I've seen in this is, I knew Rocket was going to be a breakout character. I knew people were going to love Groot. But I think Gamora is going to become this huge, kick-ass breakout character. I was from not this. convinced that she was going to be a good Gamora, you know. Until I've seen. Assassin. But, but you've seen the trailers now. And enough now of that I'm to convinced. say like. She she's is scary. fantastic. She's scary. And the poster, she is so badass. I know they yeah. Photoshop and they change. I don't care. It, it is so, so badass. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, I, I just, I can't <coughs> engage enough. You go and enjoy. And then if you're also Disneyland, pick up, you know, they, they just re, did two re, uh, massive effects redos on Alice in Wonderland and Little Mermaid. And so really improved those rides. And there was some Cal OSHA violations on, on Alice in Wonderland, which they've fixed, and thank heavens. But they've changed the way they do the effects inside. And fun, you know. But I'm there for, I was there for Guardians of the Galaxy. That's all that mattered to me was, I got to see it. I only saw it twice. But I, I sat through it twice. And I was like, yee. <laughs> and, and as I made, I texted Nate. I, was a little, I made him a little jealous. I got to do a, 
at Space Mountain. They put me on the dis- in the uh, car for the for the people with disabilities, and actually got to ride it over on the side tracking and clicking into place before launching off. I've never done that, and every one of us in the car was looking at each other, going, "Which one of us is here for the?" <laughs> you know, it's like they just—I guess they had to test it. So it was great, but anyway, uh, so I've had a new Space Mountain experience huh. aside from. A new graphic novel. So now we've gone full circle. And uh, next week is uh, Comic-Con, and we'll see what's going on. Are uh, we not doing a full Comic-Con preview right now? Uh, well, you want to bring anything up? Go ahead. We've got some... I was prepared to podcast for another hour. Oh, good Lord. Oh, I'm God. not. I'm not. So <laughs> just, I don't have time to edit it before Tell me. Off. Tell me what you want to do. Uh, oh, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. I'm excited for all these interviews. I just set up another one today with... Sean Mackie Wicks of uh, Skybound. Oh, cool. Uh, there's a few panels I want to get to, highlighted by the Batman 66 panel in Hall H. Uh, there's a Goonies panel. No. There's You're going to the, go nostalgia. What's that? You're going to go nostalgic. Okay. Exactly. There's the, uh, oh, the Batman 75th anniversary. There's a bunch of panels, so like each decade they're doing a separate panel. Wow. One of which is going to have Ralph Garman and Neil Adams and yeah. Greg Capullo, Jeff Johns, Jim Lee, Frank Miller, Grant Morrison, Denny O'Neill, and Scott Snyder. Cool. I want to go to that one. That's one um, panel? What that's got to be separate panels. You don't put uh, that in. No, no, there is a, there is, no, I know there the, is a the very massive. That's the 75th anniversary Legends of the Dark Knight panel. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the rest of them are all split up with smaller groups of guys. Um, what else? I'm gonna interview Mike Tyson. Fingers crossed for that. Stop! You, you keep cursing and saying, "Don't, don't no, say." No, fingers crossed is not a curse. Okay, all right. I'm just saying. You know, that's what? just protecting his fingers. I guess. I guess. Uh, doing the Walking Dead escape. That's true. Yes. Friday night, and then so I'm looking at the bags, and I'll just list off what the, what's on the bags this year. You got an arrow bag, a Batman 66 bag, which is one of the three that I want, Constantine bag, a The Following bag, iZombie. What is this? The Originals? I don't know what that is. There's a Teen Titans Go. There's a Detective Comics Batman 75th Anniversary bag where it's like a Detective Comics cover. Is it the one for 27? uh, It looks like it probably... Yeah. But then it's the current Greg Capullo version of Batman bursting through the cover that's ripped open. Okay. Looks pretty cool. There's a convention center, like, stylized-looking drawing. There's the Flash TV show, Gotham TV show, Mike Tyson Mysteries, where a cartoon Mike Tyson is running towards you with his pigeon sidekick. There's a ghost sidekick and a little kid in a pink sweatsuit uh supernatural vampire diaries well that uh, by the way that's what the originals is is a spin-off of the vampire diaries oh okay right so isn't it out already three bags i want are batman 66 the detective comics one and the mike tyson one i'm really hoping it's if i can only pick between two it's batman 66 or the detective comics one. you should you should be trying to get the mike tyson one so you can turn into a shirt before you interview him where you go (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
I just, I just found Brunton, out. Take uh, your sewing kit. Online, what looks like it may be the cover of the Batman 660. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, very much in, in keeping with kind of the yeah. way everything has been a very throwback art look. And, you know. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's that. Uh, I just got confirmation I'll be talking to, uh, or I should say, probably going to be in a press roundtable with uh, Rose McIver of iZombie. And uh, going to be talking to some people from the Lego Batman 3 game uh, beyond Gotham. So very uh, doing a demo of that. Uh, uh, I uh, looks like uh, there's also some interesting cosplay fashion lines coming out. So I'm going to go talk to that, and then we'll be hanging out with the people from Made Fire for a little bit. Um, you know, I'm still not. I, I'm still trying to catch up because I've got so many people that have asked me like for help. Like, well, like like the Bat Kid documentary of like, you know, how do we do this because yeah. we've never gone, which I'm I'm happy to do. Um, you know, it's just like it's okay, like you're running out of time. To I do just it. don't know. What, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because you know, the thing is, if you haven't gone to Comic Con, you really don't know, and nothing no can prepare you. And, and it's true. I mean, we say it exaggeratedly and like and ha ha ha, but it's really true. It it, it is. Somebody asked me this week, are you ready for Comic-Con? I'm like, it's happening so fast. I'm not ready. I just, you know, I, I yeah. haven't a time. I mean, like today, I haven't been able to update the site because I was running around trying to take care of things for next week. You know, it's like any any military battle. Your strategy only lasts for the first five minutes, and then it's all out the window. Boom. So, but I'm looking forward to things. Our our friends lo- that, that did Love in the Time of Monsters will have a booth there. Uh, we're hoping that there'll be some kind of eternity presence. Uh, I have a friend, Jason Williams, who I guess we can say this, you know, uh, he uh, it's the 40th anniversary of Flash Gordon, the burlesque uh, of Flash Gordon, which the movie, the movie. Yes, yeah, the movie Flash Gordon was released in 1974. It's 40th anniversary. He's making his very first ever convention appearance. And so there's another one who's like he'll be in a a 33 in autograph alley. Every day, with he bought, he's got copies of the comic book miniseries that happened in the early '90s. Going to be autographing that. He's going to autographing copies of the DVD and pictures and stuff. And, and it's like, but it's his very first time, so he has no idea what he's in for. We hope you know more, but um, it's just kind of, you know, there, there's a thing. It's just there's just so much. So uh, well, I'll be running Conference Central up here in San Jose. I can't sure even guarantee stuff gets pushed out. Yeah, I, there we go. I, I guess I couldn't even guarantee that we could sit down, all be in the same room, uh, you know, or even the same Skype thing to do a podcast at the same time because there's so much going on. And you know, after but air, even even you guys get a get a recording of an yeah. interview, you can send it. Yeah, to me we'll and we'll uh, we will do that. Yeah. We'll do that. You know, and there's special so, reports, and there's big Power Rangers stuff happening, and so you know, I've been asked I'll to do a couple things. Also, on that. want to say that a great hero of mine is supposed to appear. Yes, Hulk Hogan. I was going to say Hulk Hogan. <laughs> They're having a uh, Mattel and WWE action figure yeah, there's a huge panel, and he's listed as appearing. Yeah, I know. This is one of those so things. I can only hope. Again, as Mark Avanier often says, you can make the con- Comic-Con into the convention you want to have. You know, the big thing is, I, I think I re- may have, you may have caught my reference to the Fitbit, is because um, I'm going to do Sleepy Hollow, the TV series, is going to use the Oculus Rift for a virtual escape from the headless horseman and i'm so looking forward to that but for gotham and i don't know if this zip line goes from the bayfront hilton <laughs> to the uh 
convention center, but if there's a god, there that's what they're doing because that would be the most awesome zipline ever. But I think it's going to be a tower on that lawn, yeah. you know, where they've traditionally had the Batmobiles. Uh, they're ziplining, and I realized I was too heavy to zipline and get a Gotham City Police badge. So I'm desperately crashing, counting my calories, and so that I know I have to be under 250 pounds. You need to you need to tighten your Fitbit. Not according to them. So Another it's great been fine. Hero of mine that is going to be there. Yes. Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Although that's a ticketed event. I don't understand. So the Horton Grand Theater is completely separate. It is. The Horton Grand Theater, it's a, it's on the, it's, it's by the Horton Plaza. Right. It's by the side, and it is a theater. They have concerts and theater events there. So he's not appearing at Comic-Con. He's appearing in an event adjacent to Comic-Con. A Comic-Con mm. event, but it's on the Comic-Con. Sure, uh, because it's, it's sponsored and approved. Guide. It's sponsored and approved, just like the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Is you you have to no. buy tickets to that show with the crossover between Thrilling Adventure Hour and Welcome to Night Vale. Those uh, bastards. Uh, and that's I think that might be at the Horton or no, it's at uh, the Spreckles, um, which I think is up closer to. Are you going to try and go to the hall? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna just going to say this. Hall. I'm going to see if my friend Albert tends to get tickets. I'm going to see if he got tickets mm-hmm. and if so. But honestly, I think I think there's another event which I don't want to talk about on 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 the podcast that maybe Nate and I want to go to. You know, if we can get in more important, so uh, I mean, I not as fun, way but too more much important stuff going on. There on is, Saturday. there is. So there's more, way too much stuff going on every day. No, Saturday, so, too much. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> well just we, enough for our readers to read oh, about on plug, Fanboy Planet. Uh, Derek, yeah, are you going to plug your appearance at Comic Con? Holy crap! I totally forgot. I, I haven't even had time to put a posting on Fanboy Planet an article about that. Yes. So we can now say the time. We've announced on the podcast earlier, but can now say uh, on the last day. And I'm going to say officially, look, I'm staying in San Diego uh, because I've tried to drive back up after at the after the bitter end of Comic-Con. It's impossible. It's impossible. So I just stay, stay an extra night. And so I'm going to say, uh, if people are interested, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., the last day of Comic-Con, is the Pro Fan Trivia Contest, which I will... I don't know yet if I'm actually hosting or if I'm competing. If Mark Wade competes, I'm competing. If Mark Wade decides not to, if Len Wein is actually the captain, then I'm the host. And uh, so it's questions about everything from the Silver Age up till uh, Christ on Infinite Earths. Characters that are uh, that are having anniversaries. It's the Submariner, uh, the Teen Titans, Batman, Daredevil, Batman, Batman, uh, Metamorpho. Uh, I think there's another one that I picked up books for research. I'm desperately going through things <laughs> like, uh, uh, do I know this one? But when they told me, yes, I can just take my showcase of, of Metamorpho off the off the shelf and start going through for questions. That's awesome. So if you know these are your characters uh, that you like, it's Marvel and DC. Um, you know, there's having 40th, 50th, and 75th anniversaries. Uh, that's what we're, you know, we'll be asking the trivia questions on it because you have to narrow it down. Otherwise, I'll put the Zorlak out there and say, uh, you know, what? It, but I don't do issue numbers to do this if I, I try to do, you know, just like issue numbers is stupid. I, it's just, it, it's, it's too pedantic. Yeah. Um, and, and the, and the point is, it I want the joy out of it. And the point is, I want it to be fun. We wanted to be fun. We had a great time last year. Uh, we didn't get good video, but I'm hoping maybe this year we we really will. Uh, I tried. I, I I had a video from last year and you couldn't hear a thing. So I'm hoping that this year we'll, be, we'll all speak a little louder or something. We'll get a better camera. Is Jason going? Uh, yeah, but I don't know if he's staying. So we'll we'll uh-huh. see. But it'll be four to five p.m. 
the last day and yeah nate texted me last week he goes i saw the schedule and there's your name and so <laughs> i was like oh i haven't even seen that yet so we'll be there and afterwards so if you want to hang out um you know i, I don't know where we'll go there should be a fanboy planet meetup and say you know you want to if you're at convention last year should announce it on the site I'll have to because I don't know where yeah. we'd go, but um, you know, find On a cool the place. Page and find a cool place and say if you're there and you want to hang out, let's do it for an hour or two. And, and have if a, you run have into a uh, Brian K. Vaughn, I'm talking to fans now, listeners. Yeah. If you run into BKV, yeah. ask him if he's going to take Fanboy Planet out to lunch, pursuant to the letter he was sent. And if he does, does that include both Nate and myself, or is he just expecting Nate? Is Nate his own fanboy planet? Well, his expectations will be shattered if he's only expecting one of us. Okay, okay. well, you know, and (laughs) that's right. And Steph Rodriguez is going as well, so we can say uh, he's got to take three of us out. Uh, So (laughs) that will be – that would be awesome to be able to sit down. But we're not promising that. What we are promising is that we will be back again with this podcast. And if you're listening on iTunes – Please rate us, please subscribe, and please tell your friends. And you can listen to us on the Stitcher app. You can also, I still think the best place uh, is www.fanboyplanet.com because we have a page where you can actually go back and order some of the things that we talk about on the podcast. Uh, Of course, again, I encourage if you have a local business, that you a brick-and-mortar store to... uh, that you can get this item from, then by all means do it. Support your local business because you'll be sorry when they're gone, so keep them alive. But if you're in a place or they, it's just something they can't get a hold of, then go ahead and follow the Amazon link and help support us. And if you still just want to support us, you can find the PayPal button on every page of Fanboy Planet and just give a little donation and you know just to help cover our hosting and and the cost of uh, of of keeping everything that's Fanboy Planet related. In the air, you know, uh, and on the air. So we thank you. Uh, and if you have any questions, comments, compliments, criticisms, I think I'm out of C words, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Until the next time and beyond, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet. I'm Nate Casta. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your, your powers, powers only, only for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you. The new 52 version was good. Every time they tried Milestone... A, f- a select group of people. What's going on? Did we yeah, just, still there? Did Hello? We, did we just teleport? Wow. What's going on? Nate? Nelly, is that you? I'm still here. It got very quiet, though. It, it got, oh, we were getting, we were getting a, a, a tremendous amount of electronic sounding feedback for a second there. Uh, now it's oh, passed. Now yeah. we're, we're fine now. But anyway, you know. Pause for a second so I can cut something back in. <laughs> yes. 
I think we should leave those transformer sounds. Do you? Maybe we'll put it in the outtakes. No, we have to because Nate spoke over the pause. You <laughs> bastard. Uh, we could pause <laughs> we again. We could pause again. Milestone didn't sell particularly well for DC. And the thing is, when they brought back Static Shock, even...